the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
of wasted Today's sermon is pre-recorded. No longer hostile to God. Almighty God, this needs to happen in my heart. Oh, Lord God, tonight would you deal with the heart of each person in this house. Would you change and mold and shape in your hand our hearts that we would no longer be hostile to you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just step back and ask you to step forward. Lord, would you speak the word tonight that you need to have spoken to our hearts? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, King of kings and Lord of lords. I praise you. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Jesus was absolutely exhausted. He'd been teaching the people. He'd been healing. He'd been dealing with conflict with the Pharisees. He was just toast. He was exhausted beyond anything he'd ever felt before. And he said to his disciples, come on, let's get in the fishing boat. Let's cross the lake. Let's go to the other side. Jesus needed a nap. So he went to the back or to the stern of the boat, and there were some cushions there. Jesus lay down on those cushions, and the gentle rowing of the oars and the lapping of the water, very quickly he was sound asleep. And as he rested, a storm blew up straight from the hand of the devil. He thought, now that Jesus is exhausted, I can take him out. And this storm, with great ferocity, blew down on that little lake. The waves kicked up high. The boat began to fill with water. The disciples are bailing. They're trying to row the boat. These are experienced watermen. They've been on this lake all their lives. They've never seen anything like it. The thunder and the crashing of the waves and the the flashing lights. The desperate cries back and forth as they give one another direction on how to handle the boat. Nothing wakes Jesus up. He's still on the cushion. The water is all over him. He's soaking wet. The wind, no doubt, was blowing his hair. He's sound asleep. You see, Jesus doesn't bother with the wind and the waves. He's asleep. But there is one thing that could wake Jesus up. There's only one thing that could wake him up. And that's when his disciples begin to cry out to him and say, Master, Master, don't you care if we drowned? 
Now, I hope you get this in your heart tonight at the beginning, because you're going to need it by the time we get to the end. There is only one thing that will get God's attention, and that is when His people begin to cry out to Him and say, Save us. We're going to sink. We're going to drown. We need you. That gets God's attention. shouting back and forth between each other, getting directions from each other, that put him to sleep even sounder. (laughs) The wind and the waves and the lightning and the thunder, that was music to his ears. He just slept on. But as soon as the cry came from the heart of the disciples, Lord, don't you care? He was wide awake. He was wide awake. I just have a sense in my heart tonight that some of you have been yelling back and forth to each other. Just putting God to sleep. (laughs) Boring him. Some of you have been moaning and groaning and complaining how bad it is. God's asleep. Some of you have been playing victim. Look how my life is messed up. Look how I never get what I want. Look how I'm being treated. God's asleep. None of that wakes God up. I'm not getting what I want. I'm mad. God's asleep. God's asleep. Only thing that will wake God up is when you begin to cry aloud to him and say, oh God, I'm going to drown if you don't wake up and save me. He'll be wide awake like that. God hears us when we cry in desperate need. There's nothing that will wake God up so fast as desperate need. You remember the prophets of Baal. They cried out in desperate need. They slashed themselves. They were bleeding. And Baal would not wake up. Baal doesn't wake up when you need help. Baal only wakes up when you don't need help. And things are going fine. And you're making money. And it's party time. Then Baal says, hey, have some drugs. Have some alcohol. Have some fun. Here, have some lifestyle. Here's a new car. You deserve it. Go borrow the money. Here's the deal. Oh, and by the way, you need a little religion kicked in. Baal loves religious people. But when you need help, Baal goes to sleep. But the Lord God of heaven, when you begin to cry to him, and you say, oh God, my marriage... Oh, God, my kids. Oh, God, my health. Whatever it is, you say, oh, God, I'm going to sink. He says, I'm awake. What do you need? He's there for us. All we have to do is come to the end of ourselves and begin to cry out to him, and he'll answer us. Now, his answer... His answer is, Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 39, he got up. 
Now I want you to get this. He doesn't continue laying on his cushion. He doesn't say, ah, go away, you're bothering me. He doesn't say, be quiet, I can't sleep when you're making so much noise. He doesn't say, look, I'll check with you tomorrow, see if you can make it till then. God doesn't treat his people that way. Instead, God immediately, and you hear what I'm saying, God, Jesus is God. He got to his feet. Now, if there's one thing you don't do in a boat, when it's rocking in the wind, you don't stand up. But believe me, Jesus has sea legs. He walks on water. That's his recreation. You hear what I'm saying to you? It is God's recreation to deal with what seems insurmountable to you. What is utterly impossible to you is God's delight to deal with. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Shh, quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. I can imagine the stars came out. I, I suspect that it even warmed up. And we have one of these balmy, beautiful evenings. Sudden transformation. And the disciples now are not afraid of the storm. They're afraid of Jesus. Because they're saying, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now listen, you will not know anything about God until you know the fear of God. We've been afraid of the wrong thing. We've been afraid of not having our way. We've been afraid of dying. We've been afraid of losing money. We've been afraid of losing our marriage. We've been afraid of losing our house. We've been afraid of all the wrong things. We've been afraid of our own wicked hearts. We've been afraid of the wrong things. It's not until we get that understanding in our soul that God is the one we need to begin to fear. God is the one we fear. Not our circumstances. It's the fear of God that comes in our heart as we see his marvelous hand beginning to deliver us. And which one of you in this house has not experienced the delivery of God. You have experienced it. Did it cause you to fear him? And say, what manner of man is this who can suddenly with a sweep of his hand change every circumstance in our life? I've seen this time after time as Jan and I have come before the Lord and we've cried out and we've said, oh God, we're going to drown. 
and with a sweep of his hand, he steps in and he changes everything, even some of the things we didn't want him to change. He changes it all, and he makes it look like his world instead of our world. Now that being said, let's go to the text of Scripture for tonight. It's found in Romans, the 8th chapter, and it's verse 7. Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 7. The sinful mind is hostile to God. The reason we don't cry out to the Lord is because we are in our minds hostile toward Him. And it would bruise our pride to cry out to Him. And so we want to try all of our options. We want to take every opportunity to get it ourselves because we're hostile toward him. Four different people this week have asked me the same question. The question they have asked, Pastor, I just don't understand this taking up your cross and following Jesus. How do I die to myself? This dying business is so painful. It is so hard. How do I die to myself? The question is a very simple question, but a very difficult question. It's easy, but it's hard. It's easy because I can give you the intellectual answer, but it's walking it out that it gets tough. And the reason it's so difficult is because of this hostility that is in our heart toward God. Many of us have been taught through the years that God is our co-pilot. God right there beside us to help us. I've got to tell you, God will never be your co-pilot. God will never sit in the seat beside you to help you. God either is at the steering wheel or he's not in the car. You're in the back seat. You're not even sitting up front with him. So you can't slip your foot over and hit the gas pedal to get him to go faster. Or on the slide, get your foot over and hit the brake and slow it down. No, no, you're in the back seat buckled in. But we don't want God to be at the driving place. We want to be at the driving place and we want God to help us a little bit because we want what we want. And there's hostility in our heart toward God because we can't have it our way. (laughs) 
look, I know what I want. Now, God, can you help me get what I want? If you can't help me get what I want, what good are you? Is that arrogant or what? Is that blasphemy against God? God, you're my servant. I want you to take care of business so that I can have my way. What? I don't think so. That hostility toward God that would attempt to use him to accomplish my purpose destroys my relationship with God. And he withdraws and he leaves me. And he lets me be given over to my lust and to my sin. Because God's not about helping me get what I want. The divine plan has already been put in place for the rescue of the world. God is about rescuing a lost world. He's not about helping me live a comfortable life of worshiping the devil. He's not going to do that. He's called me to submit, to give him prominence, to give him all authority and power over my life. But because of this hostility in my life, I want to come and I want to grab a hold of the things of God and try to use them in order to accomplish my purposes. And so what results is a hidden sin in our heart. Now I spoke to you about you uncover your heart. I have to come back and revisit this. And ask as you have searched your heart, have you uncovered your heart before God? And as you have begun to uncover your heart, what have you found in your heart? Have you found double-mindedness? Have you found that you really want your way? And if you don't get your way, you don't want to deal with God. But you want God to continue protecting you and covering you and blessing you. You just don't want to deal with God. This is hostility toward God. This hidden sin of our heart that says, I want to have this my way. No, no. Let me make it even more strongly put. It's not I want. It is I will have my way. And you, God, are going to help me. And if you don't help me, you're not a God. And I'll go find somebody else who helped me. Some of you have decided in your hearts. You're just mad. 
And right now you're just enjoying being mad. Because you think you have a right to be mad. Because it's not gone your way. And you've put God sound asleep. He's just taking a snooze in your life. He's not going to come by. Not until it's time for judgment. And then he'll pour the fire of judgment on you. You'll be consumed and be cast into a lake of fire. That's the end of a man or woman, a boy or girl, who is hostile toward God. Eternal damnation, judgment. So we have to find a way to deal with his hostility toward God. He says the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So let's be straight up. There's no way I can go home to my house and beat myself up enough that I will obey God and not be hostile toward him. There's no way I can go home and feel guilty enough or sorry enough that I'll finally say, okay, God, I'm miserable enough. I'll submit. No, it's not going to happen that way. There has to be a change in your heart. There has to be a change. See, that's what the disciples discovered as they were in the boat. They came to an end of themselves and they said, I can't rescue myself. I'm going to drown in this lake if God doesn't step in and do something in my life. I'm going to drown. So when we begin to see the hostility in our heart, we see the anger and the bitterness. Instead of dealing psychologically with the anger and bitterness, we've got to go to God and say, Oh God, I can't change this anger. I can't change this bitterness. All I can do is come to you and say, Oh God, I'm going to drown if you don't save me. And God will do a work in your heart where suddenly the peace of God will begin to flow into your spirit and you will know that God has stepped in. It is this regenerating work of the Holy Spirit that changes our hearts. I simply bear testimony. As I grew up, I was a bitter, angry young man. My heart was filled with rage. I punched out anybody I could get close to. On the schoolyard, I spent more time in the principal's office than on the playground because as soon as I got out there, I'd punch somebody out. I didn't ask questions. The first thing I did is start throwing fists. I was an angry young man. My brothers had beat me up, had, had treated me in such a manner. All kinds of things were going on in my family system, and I was mad. I can testify today that I came to a point where I said, Oh God, 
I can't change this. You're going to have to change it. And I bear testimony today that the peace of the Lord entered into my heart and I'm no longer an angry man. But I didn't turn that hostility away. God turned it away. By his blood, he turned it away. All I did was cry out to God and say, I can't live this way anymore. And God stepped in and changed it. What do you need to have God step in and change tonight in your heart? Now, some of you I hear say some very interesting things. Some of you say, I need God to help me with this. Well, in my background, that means I'm trying to pick up a load. It's too heavy for me. And so I say, hey, Kevin, could you come give me a hand? And together we're going to lift this heavy load. So he gets one end of the bag and I get the other end of the bag And suddenly what was 150 pounds is now manageable. We pick the bag up and we throw it in the back of the pickup. He gave me a helping hand. Thank you, Kevin. That's not how God helps us. That's not how God functions. God is not interested in helping us lift the load. Either God carries it, or it's not carried. Either he steps in and does the whole deal, or it's not going to get done. Our part is to come to him and say, I can't do it. I'm at the end. You've got to save me. If you don't save me, this is what's going to happen. Will you rescue me, O God? And he rescues us. He wakes up. He stands up. He speaks. And peace enters our heart. Calmness enters our spirits. And before where we were a raging lion, we're now a lamb. And we say, how is that possible? That's the miracle of the blood of Jesus. That's what he does for us. This is what repentance is. Repentance is we we come to God and we say, I can't do it, God. And he says, okay, I've got it. I'll do it. But you see, the hostility of my mind is so westernized. And I'm so naturally filled with pride and arrogance that I still think I can use God to get what I want. And I can use God as my servant because I still want some semblance of normalcy in my life. Because when God steps in and rescues us, all normalcy ends. These fishermen no longer had any illusion that they could have saved themselves. They knew that if God had not stepped in, they would be at the bottom. Their families would be without 
husbands or sons or fathers. This was God's deal. God stepped in. Jesus did it. Now, this sinful mind that is hostile to God does not submit to God's law, and it can't submit. And those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, Wow, how does the Spirit of God come to live in you? By lifting up your hands and saying, I can't do it. I surrender. I submit. I give up my hostility. I bring it to you. I'm no longer in charge. You're in charge. Holy Spirit, take charge. I give you authority over my life. You know what I pray every morning? Holy Spirit, exercise authority over my life today. Because the Lord's Prayer says, it opens with, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I say, Lord, have thy will come over Ray Greenlee's heart and life today. Not my will, your will, O God. And then I come to a situation. Somebody says something to me. And I say, am I going to just take them out? Or am I going to submit to the way of the cross? Somebody speaks something that riles me and cuts across my privileged life. Now, how do I deal with it? If I cut their legs off, that sharp retort, that quick wit, that humorous sword that jabs so cleverly, then I have a hostile mind toward God, for I have refused to submit to the way of the cross. Submitting to Jesus, taking up my cross and following him, they're the same ball of wax. Moment by moment by moment, the question is, will I or will I not allow my hostility to be submitted to Jesus Christ? If that hostile mind, is submitted to Jesus Christ. His peace fills my heart. And I'm no longer afraid of man. My course is clear before my feet. The word of God is a lamp unto my path. I'm going to go straight ahead. I'm going to submit to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to submit to my hostile mind. Now, as I, day by day, step by step, submit in every area that he speaks to my heart regarding, 
the presence of God grows in my life. The presence of God becomes revealed to me. For many of you right now, I fear Jesus is sleeping on the cushions back in the back somewhere. Because you're out in the front. And you think you've got the deal covered. You think you can make the decisions. You get mad when it doesn't go your way. Jesus is back on the cushion sleeping. And sometimes you get mad at him because he's sleeping and you think you need a little direction change here. Jesus, should I, should I go a little more east here? Shouldn't we be heading a little bit more toward Capernaum here? Shouldn't we be, shouldn't the boat be turned? Just give me some course direction here, Jesus. I've got the tiller. I'm, I'm on track, Jesus. I just need a little correction here. And Jesus is sound asleep in the back. Jesus doesn't appreciate being a consultant. You can't hire him on for a little trouble. Either he owns the whole deal, and you've submitted it to him, or he'll take his snooze on the cushion. And I'll tell you this, God can sleep longer than you can row. Now I tell you honestly, God brings us time after time into those places where there is absolutely no way out to test our hearts, to see whether we will take over or whether we will submit our hostility to God. Time after time, he brings us into relationships where we are sorely tested. Will we open our mouth and compromise Jesus? Or will we go straight ahead, submitting and trusting to Jesus the whole situation? Some of you are in marriage situations. Some of you are in parent situations. Some of you are in work situations where you are being sorely tried. I praise God. I praise God. It means he's waiting for the answer. He's waiting for what you'll choose. The way of peace or the way of hostility. The way of joy or the way of suffering. Some of you are saying, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor. What's this joy business? How'd you throw that in so easily? Joy comes in the submission to Jesus. Joy comes in seeing the supernatural work of God. Joy and fear 
of God are right together. They go hand in hand. <laughs> when, you see, when you see God move, the joy is overwhelming and you begin to praise his glorious name. If you take a hostile mind, your suffering will increase. Brokenness, a trail of destruction, until he comes once more to your life to say, are you tired of this destruction? Are you tired of this brokenness? Will you submit? Or will you continue to be hostile to me? It says, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. This is Romans 8, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now I'm standing right now in verse 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Any of you need your mortal body to be quickened by the life of the Spirit of Jesus Christ? Any of you think you're going to die? If this doesn't change, I'm going to die. Oh, that's where the disciples were. If this storm doesn't stop, I'm going to die. If the waves don't settle, if the wind doesn't stop, if the lightning doesn't stop flashing, if the thunder doesn't stop terrorizing me, I'm going to die. If the boat doesn't stop filling with water, I'm going to die. Oh, my brother, my sister, that's when Jesus stepped in. That's when he stood up. That's when he spoke. That's when the release came. Some of you are some of you are suffering tonight. You think you're going to die, but you still haven't suffered enough to be willing to turn away from your hostile mind. I urge you tonight Turn from your hostile mind toward God. Turn from your anger and your rebellion. Turn aside from the bitterness and the pride. Turn away from that and turn to Jesus and he will speak resurrection power into your life, into your marriage, into your job, into your finances. He'll speak resurrection power if he can take charge and you'll give it up. I can tell you tonight, the Lord loves you. The Lord loves you with incredible, overwhelming compassion. But he will not suffer a hostile mind. 
Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Verse 12. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. There it is. Life and death. Submit and live, rebel and die. Submit and live, rebel and die. It's as simple as that. Jesus will hear our cry, but he will not tolerate a hostile mind. If we choose to walk in rebellion, he will cast us out and we will die. As we walk in this submission, Jesus begins to speak to us gently as we step into those specific places of obedience that he's called us to, the Spirit of God begins to speak to us. And when we begin to resist, he will warn us, you are now getting hostile toward me. Don't do it. He will begin to check our attitude. And he'll begin to say, don't go that way. And the winsome, loving voice of the Spirit will speak in our spirit and say, don't go that way. That's the way of destruction, and he will plead with us. But he will let us have a hostile mind. And if we do, it is death and destruction. Now you choose. Are you going to keep your hostile mind toward God? Or are you going to submit to him? When you get down on your face and you begin to pray, what rises up before you that blocks you from praying? That's where your hostile mind is. You get down to pray and you hear, you're so proud of that jewelry. You think it makes you look so beautiful. Then you know it's the jewelry that is the hostile mind toward God. You get down on your knees and you begin to pray and a grudge comes up in your heart that you hold against somebody. A judgment against somebody. You know it's that judgment that is of a hostile mind. As the Holy Spirit brings these to us time after time, item after item, he's saying, will you give up this hostile mind? Will you let my spirit come and dwell in your heart? If we say yes, if we say, oh Lord, I can't do it. I can't submit. I'm going to die if you leave me here. Come and rescue me, Jesus. He'll come and pull us through. And the peace of submission will fill our hearts. And the joy of submission will rise up in thanksgiving to the throne of God.
Will you submit to Jesus Christ? Will you give up your hostile mind and cry out to the Lord, I'm going to die if you don't deliver me. Deliver me, O God. And let him work his miracle of grace in your heart. Thank you, Almighty God. Thank you, Mighty God, for the work of grace that you're doing now in this house. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen.
You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother and my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.